Hi, everyone. Tom Rogers here, Director of Teachers Talk Radio. Thanks very much for tuning in and listening to this show. This show is sponsored and supported by Witherslack Group, Collins Big Cat, and by Renaissance. We can't be more excited to be sponsored by these fantastic companies. Please check them out on their websites, which are available through our website at ttradio.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. To be Ofsted ready from a pastoral safeguarded perspective. He works in a school that was recently Ofsteded. So if you were, if you want to find out about what that was like, and this is a show for you. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon. What a day. This is a monumental, monumental day. This is a world premiere of pastoral CPD in the visual. And I say the visual because if you're on YouTube at the moment, you have an idea of what I'm saying. And that's because I am currently live on YouTube as well. So if you are listening in the Podbean studio, first and foremost, just give me a little thing in the chat, please, to just confirm I can be heard loud and clear. So I'm using a mic that I've never used before. I got first, I feel like I had like first show jitters this morning um, because it was just a new setup. New setup. I've got a laptop on in front of me where I can just see my face. It's all strange. I know I'm streaming via YouTube. It's all strange. I've got Podbean on my phone. I've called. It's all, it's a novel experience. It's almost like, a, yeah, it's back to what it used to be when I used to listen to other people's shows before I became a host myself. Um, but it's great to be here. So it's Sunday, the Sunday lunch show. We're back. I see some regulars in the chat already. I see a TSCW there. I've got um, Nathan's in the studio, aka Lesson Copy. And if you heard the intro, today is a very, very, very important show. Um, today is a show that, thinking purely selfishly, is a show that I would want to hear, knowing that I'm a, I'm a now a DSO in a school, I'm one of the senior leadership team. And throughout this pandemic, we know that obviously Ofsted inspections were paused, but now they started up again. And from my perspective, I just want to know what it's been like. I've never been in an Ofsted inspection as a senior leader. Every Ofsted inspection I have kind of been a part of, it's always been when I've been maybe a middle leader, a head of year, or, or a main scale teacher, for example. So this would be, it would be the first time. So I just want to find out what it's like. And if you're like me and you work in the pastoral world, um, you work in the pastoral world or you're a designated safeguard lead or anything else like that, then this will be a very, very, hopefully, informative show for you to find out what it was like. To find out what it was like. If you want to watch me live and to watch Pete when he joins in a moment. When, if you want to watch us live, if you want to make it more real, 
then you need to head to YouTube. Um, I recently, I'm pretty certain, well, I definitely tweeted out the YouTube link recently. Um, and if you don't know, if you can't find that link, literally just head to YouTube. And if you just look on the Teacher Talk Radio, um, Teacher Radio on Twitter, forget my words now, you'll find the YouTube link there. Um, or you just head to YouTube. And if you just type in my name, um, you're guaranteed to see the live stream coming up there as well. So we're in 4K HD on YouTube and we're streaming live through Podbean. The multitasking is off the chain. The multitasking is off the chain. The video will be able to be watched back on YouTube. And you, of course, as always, be able to listen back on ttradio.org as well. So it's all, it's all going off today. It's all going off. And I genuinely, normally, as you guys know, I'll go through about five more minutes of general chit-chat. But I'm just so ready. I'm so ready to get going. So ready to get going. I'm going to just, I'm going to invite my, my guest on. Um, so Pete, if you're with us, if you'd like to unmute, please, and join the studio and let's get this show cracking. Miss Kato Stem has actually put the YouTube link in the chat, which is very, very useful. Um, so we'll see if Pete is there. Pete, you there? I am here. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you loud and clear. And then what's Brilliant. going to happen by the magic of technology, hopefully, is that if you are listening through, if you're watching through the YouTube page, then you will see Pete appearing on the screen in a matter of moments. Um, and we're going to get that cracking. But yeah, Pete, for the listeners, as always, could you give them a kind of intro to who you are and what your connection is with education? Um, and yeah, now who you are, a bit of background about you, Pete, because you've been in the studio a number of times and this has been a long time coming. <laughs> it's been a long time coming trying to get you into, into to be an official guest. But yeah, for the listeners, can you just give them a quick intro about who you are and what your connection is with the education world, please? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, thanks for having me. Um, been looking forward to it. A bit nervous. I have to say, that when you start talking about 4K and Ultra HD, that worries me because I'm, I'm sure I've grown an extra spot over the weekend, which I'm desperately trying to cover up. Um, but yeah, uh, so uh, I'm Pete. I'm a deputy head teacher in a large, um, large secondary school on the edge of Birmingham. Um, I've been at the school. I've been associated with the school for a very long time um, since I started as an NQT in 2003. Uh, moved away for a couple of years, but then sort of came back to the school. Um, and my role, predominantly over that time, um, is sort of I've built myself um, career-wise. I've built myself up through the pastoral pastoral system working in in a range of roles um some curriculum experience as well which obviously stands you in good stead to get that that breadth of of knowledge and experience um but but the yeah all of my all of my senior leadership experience has very much been about um leading the pastoral team um as a school um and as a community we've been through huge change over time um going from the school that i started which then amalgamated and federated and, and formally joined with another school down the road, which, which, which almost overnight changed the cohort of kids that we served, the size of the community that we served. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's, that in itself has brought its own challenges over time. Um, we are a school that was, uh, that had had three successive RI judgments um, on the back of just after, um, I think it was 2011, an outstanding judgment. We then, we then moved to three successive RI judgments um, so the, the, the Ofsted visit that we had in October, um, and I'll talk a little bit more about it in a while, was, was really critical for us. So our preparation was quite long, um, nothing that people can't do on a day-to-day -day basis in terms of managing, pre preparing for it, um, but we were well overdue. So, so when they finally called, called us um, just before Christmas, we were ready, definitely ready. 
Yeah, so I was going to, I was going to, that was going to be my first question. Did you did you predict? Did you have an did your leadership team have an inkling that you were it was when once you heard that Ofsted were they in the I know sometimes Ofsted can kind of be in the area, which means maybe some schools in the local area or the locality might have been um, Ofsted recently. Then you might get the whiff of oh maybe our time is coming. Did you have that kind of sense in the build up? Um, yeah, we, we were actually due um, in in that, in that sense of the word. You, you try and get a rough idea of when you're likely to be seen within the window. Um, so we were due, we believed, in, in from December 2019 onwards. Um, so obviously you've got that period of a few months in between December 19 where we were expecting a call any day. Um, then the pandemic kicked in um, and, and obviously then, then things were, were shelved. Um, we, we thought it was likely because during the course of last academic year, um, when, when inspections restarted again in their different guises, we, hatch, we actually had three different um, Ofsted experiences last year. Um, you know, so we had, a, um, we had the initial, I think they called them visits or remote visits. They didn't call them inspections um, in the autumn term of, last, of, of, of 20, 2021, um, which was all done remotely. We then had a remote inspection looking at our remote learning and, and, and what, was, what was happening there. And then in July of last year, we then had um, a Section 8 monitoring visit, a physical visit into school. So we had three separate Ofsted experiences last year, which made us think that as a three times RI school, we were, we were likely to get um, our Section 5 inspection at any point in the, you know, in the autumn term, really. Uh, and then it came just before the, the very end of it. Yeah. So let, let's rewind the clock. Let's get into the, to the mindset of, of Pete and the rest of the team. So when that call came in on, what did you say? We said it was December time. Yeah, yeah. What was your what was what was your, your, your what was your initial reaction? Um, my my initial my initial reaction. Um, I was in quite a curious situation. Um, the, one of the first times I, I sort of engaged with you in the show, Khalil. I was um, I was in Ireland at the time. Um, my unfortunately, a member of the family. My dad had been quite poorly, so I had to drop everything and go over. Um, and, and just hours before I was due to come back, the dreaded COVID lurgy hit me. Um, so I was then self isolating um, over in Ireland. I was due to come back um, on the on I think on the Tuesday morning, um, and then um, I was just sat on the bed quarantining like a like a good a good boy as I should have been at my parents, um, with mum and dad really looking after me, keeping me plied with uh, with bacon sandwiches and all sorts. But um, but but I was sat on the bed just doing a bit of just doing a bit of administrative housekeeping really, um, just sitting doing working through some of our my concerns and some of the things that have been going on while I was um, while I was over in Ireland. Um, and I got a message, a message pinged up on my phone from the head teacher at quarter to two in the afternoon um, saying, you know, basically Ofsted have called. Um, and and, I, and I, it just sent me into a spin because I couldn't believe it. We're used to getting the call at, you know, maybe 11, between sort of 11 and 12. Um, I couldn't work out why it had happened so late in the day. And the reason why was because um, that there'd been an issue with the outgoing telephone system from Ofsted. Um, so we we had very little time as a as a leadership team as a school to prepare ourselves for for a two day inspection starting the following morning, um, and and at that point you know it, it was one of those things where you rely on you rely on your instincts you rely on your systems and you rely on what you've already got prepared and, and ready, um, and because we were expecting an inspection in two thousand and nineteen. Um, I think it's fair to say we were all ready as a school, and I won't talk too much about this, but I think it's really important. We were all ready as a leadership team for the curriculum focus. Um, I don't think I can understate just how much of, uh, or overstate, sorry, just how much of a focus there is on the curriculum. 
with the with the new framework. It's 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 absolutely central to everything that goes on. Um, so so we'd already been preparing a lot of work on that. Um, in terms of the the inspection framework, we 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 had been we got to a point where we knew the inspection framework very well. Um, and what I'll say is, if if I can just say, this isn't about me being for against Ofsted or having any kind of you know I'm, I'm not engaging in the the political side of it because I know it's a very you know it's a very contentious issue. It's one that causes a lot you know a lot of uh, a lot of strain and stress for people. This is just something that we as leaders have to deal with, and it was about getting into that mindset. Not just myself and ourselves as a leadership team, but but also with our middle leaders, with our school staff. Not making it the be all and end all, um, but but sorry, you're muted there. I think Khalil, I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Just give me a thumbs up if you can hear me, Khalil. There's some mess. Okay, there's some messages, Khalil, just saying that people can't hear you, but they can hear me. So, if... Okay. Okay. I've just been told to keep on going, so uh, so so I'm going to do that. Um, so I think where I got to was just about um, us being prepared for for the inspection um, and and just knowing the uh, inspection framework document and being ready for it. Um, significant focus on on obviously the curriculum, um, but also knowing each of our specific areas um, and, and and areas of inspection and making sure that we were ready for it. Um, and I'll, I'll come on to that in a short while when, when, I, um, when I go over um, the approach to the actual meetings itself, something which I'd spoken to, to Khalil about previously. Um, so in terms of our school, just to give you a little bit more context of our school, um, we are a school with um, on the edge of Birmingham. We've got around 50% uh, um, pupil premium students um, that are, that are um, classified as pupil premium. Um, we also have a high proportion of EAL students. Um, just to give you a little bit of a flavour on that, we have um, around 81 different language, languages which we have as, as clusters, um, first languages spoken in the home. So we do teach a very diverse community that in itself brings up a, 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 a lot of issues um, and, and things that we work through on a day-to-day -day basis to support our kids. Um, and I think it's fair to say historically, um, previous inspections and, and such like have, have identified that as a school we've got um, and we've had a very supportive and, and, and nurturing approach to educating our young people, uh, which is something that we've always been very proud of. But but obviously Ofsted are looking for certain things to, to complement that and to, to work alongside that. Um, I can see that Khalil is live and he's come back in. In testing. Yep, can hear you, Khalil. Am I back I in the studio? Can you? Yes. There we go. Who would have, who would have thought... Who would have thought? I predicted it. I predicted it. It was going to happen. I don't know. My prediction is, because we've got a little Wi-Fi extender in the hallway, and uh, all it takes is my son to walk past it and have a little brush of the Wi-Fi extender, 
and he can knock it off a little bit killed. So I lost wife, I lost Wi-Fi connection on my phone, which kicked me out of the pod, which meant I was talking to myself and you were talking for ages. I was watching you, I was watching Pete <laughs> speak and I couldn't hear a thing. And then I don't know when I'd, I'm going to listen back to this and find out how it sounded. <laughs> but I the last bit, this is a problem now because I went into kind of like technical, um, technical troubleshooting mode. I'm going to predict Pete that you just held down the fort and just continued. That's what I'm going to predict. <laughs> Something, something like that. I kept talking. I just kept talking. I could see you. I could see you mouthing something at me, Khalil. I couldn't hear you, so I just carried on. Um, um, I just tried to now, Everyone knows more. Go on. I was just going to say. I was just trying to give a little bit of more context about our school um, in terms of the level of um, um, uh, PP um, that we that we serve, and also the EAL needs of our students. We've got about 81, 81 languages spoken in the home um, in terms of our school community. So just adds to that diversity and just just trying to give people a bit of a flavor of it yeah what what i know now is that has happened i've just had some message in the chat so i'm glad i didn't say anything that's like a bit unprofessional so i could have been i was heard on twitter and i probably would be heard on the on the on the stream but then it was a, probably a lot of me going um, um technical difficulties <laughs> right let's get into this let's get into this because we've uh we've got the context and now let's get into kind of the nitty-gritty so you were virtual, so that that yeah. kind of puts a different that puts a different spin on it. But I'm, I'm obviously part of the leadership team. You would have found out what Ofsted were doing in the building throughout that first day, even though you may not have seen it firsthand because you were you were virtual. What were they doing on that on that first day in school? Um, so first day was um, very much about curriculum deep dives. Uh, and they went in and, and, and carried out the work that they needed to do within the different faculties that they saw. Um, I, I've already mentioned about the curriculum focus with inspections and, and you know, it, it's something that we were prepared for. Um, and I think um, we knew what was likely to happen. There's a lot of feedback on it you get from other schools and, and the kinds of questions that you work through and expect. Um, I think probably what what was just confirmed to us on that day was just the role of everybody within the school community. So as a leader, you, you, you said something earlier, Khalil, about, you know, I, I was just talking and, that, and that's what I do. And that's probably been the approach I've always taken, you know, particularly in Ofsted inspections. I almost try and talk inspectors into submission and just give them, you know, everything about our school and almost the narrative, the journey that we've been through. Um, and 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 previously that that's probably been enough and, 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 and has done the job. But now it's very much about... Okay, listening to what the senior leaders are saying, but then just getting out there and, and we, we've heard the phrase triangulation, you know, many, many times over many years. But actually, the, you know, the, the, the curriculum deep dives are clearly not just curriculum deep dives. You know, there's far more student conversations that happen within that process. We're talking to the kids about their learning, their books, you know, what, what's going on in the classroom. But they will take every opportunity to ask the safeguarding questions, to ask about um, the key personnel within the school, to, to really get under the skin of, is there a culture of safeguarding in this, in this particular school? Um, uh, you know, and that also goes with the, the staff as well. Um, I'd heard some horror stories prior to it, you know, about asking very difficult questions of different members of staff. Um, but actually what, what I found was um, they, they came back to the safeguarding meeting, which, which in, coincidentally, or which uh, incidentally took place on the second day, um, already with a picture of what 
what level of involvement you know the the wider school community have with safeguarding so they talk to me about our email processes and the way that we um the way the referral processes that our staff use to to log things with me and my my safeguarding team um and and they told me about it which was quite interesting and you know a, a, they they could they certainly hadn't picked that up from from me in the first instance. So yeah, on the that, first that, day that alone. Sorry. So I was, I, was, I was going to say what because this if I were Ofsted if I were Ofsted, it sounds like they've they've had a bit of a a change in approach. If I were Ofsted, I'd be doing if I wanted to find out about a school, I wouldn't speak to any leaders. I'm being like I wouldn't I wouldn't speak to any leaders. If I want if you want to find out about a school, just in the same way like if you want to find out about what a lesson is like or a, how a certain maths class is going. If you really want to know, talk to the people on the ground. So that's, a, talk to the kids. And it sounds as though from from seeing loads of stuff on, on Twitter about people's feedback about recent Ofsted inspections, they've made that, they've made that little, they flicked that switch. Um, but then I say this again, because I've never been SLT before, before like these kind of most recent years, but it does seem like they're realizing, hold on, talking to leaders is one thing, but leaders, leaders are people in the know and the peop- we know what they want to hear. But Ofsted are probably saying now, do you know what? No, let's talk to people that actually really know what's going on. And let's also talk to people who are likely to be more honest. Who's most honest in that school? Likely the kids. The kids gonna be the most honest people. Most they've got they've got no kind of they don't really think about the the bigger picture. They, they're just gonna you ask them a question, they'll answer the question. And their answer is honestly and truthfully as possible. Um, they'll be can't you know, you know, and everyone listening in the chat knows kids are the most brutally, they can be the most brutally honest. Um, and they don't care. And I think Ofsted are now realizing that if you want to find out about safeguarding, if you want to find out what the behavior is like in school, don't go to the don't go to the behavior lead for school, because they'll they'll tell you what you want to hear. But if you want to really find out, they just go to the kids. And I think it's and if I'm honest, it's the right thing to do. I'd, what, I feel like if you want to find out about school, chat to the kids and they'll tell you. And then what I know what you're going to go on to talk about is that meeting when they came back to you. But I think it is for everyone listening. If you are a behavior lead, like you can do all the prep. You can do all the background prep, but the one thing you can't prepare for is what your school culture is actually like from the kids' perspective, and the kids are going to spout off the truth about it. So the real Ofsted prep is is on, on a day-to-day basis, what is the experience of the children? And they're going to, and if you know, if you're confident that the experience of the children is what you set it out to be and what you're honest about, then that's half the prep done, is what I'm feeling now from the Ofsted inspections. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, you can't, you can't, you, there's no hiding, you know, you can't create a new school overnight. It's about what is very much typical and the experience that everybody gets. Um, the CEF that we prepared for it, the self-evaluation form that, that we sent over, um, that was very different for us this time around. We, we did a lot of work and developmental work um, on, on writing our CEF. We used Paul Garvey's book, Taking Control, and, and we've used um, you know, we, we used elements of that to shape our CEF. And actually, what, what we did was we wrote a CEF that was, that was just very, very positive. Uh, you know, we're, we're not going to give people, and this is just, a, you know, a bit of advice, really. We're not going to give inspectors the, the trails, if you like, and create them for them. We're giving them an honest and open reflection evaluation of our school. But where we think things aren't where they need to be, that then sits in our school improvement plan and that's in our SIP. So strategically, we've got the documents there that, that show the, you know, the areas of strength, our evaluation of where we think our school is at. And, and, and I've said already, we were a school that's three times requiring improvement. Um, we were in an area where the local four or five secondary schools all around us, uh, I think, are pretty much all, we're all clustered good. 
Now, that, that has created a legacy of issues for us in terms of reputationally, in terms of pupil, um, pupil admission numbers um, and a number of things. So we, we really needed to make sure that, 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 that we, are, we were in a strong position. Uh, and that, that took time to get to. And that's very much, like you say, a culture thing. Um, but, but we had to make sure we were, we were ready. Um, uh, and in terms of from from that safeguarding perspective, everybody had what they needed. Um, and, and you're right for me just to talk a little bit about the safeguarding meeting, Khalil. Yeah, def- definitely. Is this the meeting yeah. for for your meeting or the meeting that they had with with staff? Um, so the meetings with staff, I think, were were, were quite um, that they, they had a set of questions as they worked as they worked through their curriculum deep dives, um, and that was very much about who are the key personnel, what are the key issues. Um, as you probably won't be surprised to know, there was a focus on sexual violence and sexual harassment, um, and asking questions about training that staff have had on that. Um, you know, Interesting. Which okay. Which which was something we were covered on. So on the first day. Um, um, they they carried out the, the um, single central record meeting. That was then followed by a meeting about um, um, a very brief one, but they want that was where they asked for the information about all students that have gone off roll. So I think they asked for the previous academic year and this current academic year. So we, we sort of went back a, a year and a term uh, and we were able to produce. We had it, um, all of the information on um um, on kids that have gone off roll. And I've already talked to you about the number of EAL students that we've got, the community languages that we deal with. We have a very transient community. Um, we, you know, we get lots of international new arrivals that come in um, and then families that will move around the area. So we've got to absolutely make sure we've got that information to hand. We know where every single student is going and, and all appropriate protocols are, fin- uh, are followed. So it was a quite a brief meeting, but they wanted to see that information. And they took that information away with them uh, to have a look at and, and, and obviously go over. They then went and away. That was, and with, that was that so with you, that meeting? That, that wasn't with me because I wasn't physically in the building. I couldn't be present for the, the single central record okay. discussion at that time. So one of um, I, I worked with two um, fantastic assistant head teachers as part of my team. Um, and one of those was in that meeting with the, with the inspector. Um, right, and no, was able to just talk through talk through that. But for every student that went off roll, there was a destination, and, and and obviously there was nothing. They were looking for off rolling clearly, um, and an alternative provision is something which they did they did go into. It's something that we use. Um, they did go into it in in quite some detail as well in in the attendance meeting about how we follow up, how we monitor, how we um, how we make sure that we retain safeguarding responsibility when kids are off site at, at AP venues. Um, and, and and everything that goes with that. I'll, I'll come on to that in a, in a little while. Um, from a safeguarding perspective, I then didn't see them to talk formally about safeguarding until the second day, probably around, uh, I think it was about midday on the second day. Um, again, first question was about sexual violence, sexual harassment. What have we done as a school since the Ofsted report came out in the spring, summer of, um, of last year? We, we made sure all of our staff were trained very early on um, and, and we did that in, in, in the summer term. Um, we've always had an approach that we've taken with, with sexual any incidents of sexual violence, sexual harassment. Um, we've always been quite tight on it where it's happened. But I think the crucial thing for all leaders is, is to make sure that you approach it from the perspective of it happens and it can happen everywhere. Um, anyone, that, anyone that says it doesn't happen in our school um, is clearly going to be opening themselves up, I think, for further further scrutiny. Okay. Can I just check? Can people hear me? I think Khalil's dropped again. 
Anybody able to confirm that you can hear me still? Okay. Miss Cato Stem, can you hear me? Yeah, brilliant. Okay, I, I'm just going to carry on talking, um, safeguarding um, in terms of um, how that meeting sort of played out. Once they'd spoken to us about the um, the sexual violence, sexual harassment, how we deal with cases, and we were able to um, to have copies of our my concern logs and, and actions to hand, um, just to just to exemplify what we were talking about. Really, um, we then moved on to. Um, talking about the local authority. Now, um, I, I've been asked this question previously where they've, they've clearly cu come to meetings with the prior knowledge of um, local authorities and, um, and safeguarding records, safeguarding inspections within local authorities. So they asked me questions about how our, how our local authority performs in terms of safeguarding. Um, and basically, how it was, an, it was an opportunity for us to talk about how we show tenacity in our work if we don't get the answers that we think we should be getting, if we're uncomfortable with decisions that are made, um, if we are in any way concerned about, um, you know, whether thresholds are met in, in, in the authorities' view, um, then how do we follow that up? And it's something that we take really seriously. You're back, sir? I think so. This is, it, I don't know what's going on with my phone Wi-Fi. Luckily, my laptop, my laptop Wi-Fi is working very well. So I think I'm back. Um, so okay. we're, yeah, we're back. I was listening. The yeah, last okay. bit that you Continue. Okay, yeah. So just talking about how we how we how we show um, tenacity when we're dealing with the local authority. So things that we talked about, um, for example, local authority often share with us model policies for various issues. When we get it, do we just take it as read that it's accurate? What's our check-in and QA processes that we use? Um, we we just presented casework, and I think in the world of safeguarding, you know, that's that's your your case studies and and, and examples of of cases that you work through is where you really can just show that that, that culture exists. So we were able so to show with that we... then. With that then, Pete. Sorry to interrupt. With that then, so I'm because when you were talking about, they're asking about what you do in these situations. So with your casework, what do you use? Do you have an online? Are you an online reporting for safeguarding? Yeah, we use my concern. My concern, right? So then, so when you were in this meeting, when they were talking about what would you do in in this situation, X situation, Y situation, how do you challenge um, decisions that you don't agree with, for example? Is, was that a situation where you just kind of did you already have pre pre did you have pre prepared cases that you were ready to to show or did you say mm, let me have a look and then bring up something from your my concern chronologies what was your uh, what was happening in that situation yeah. we, we were ready we, we we had those ready already um, if it was that those questions were asked of of us um, in the in probably at least two of the three previous visits that happened last year so we knew we were going to get probably you know we, there was going to be a little bit more interrogation of, of those case studies um so we, we were ready for it and you know that we've, we've got quite a few examples we were able to show um you know early closure of cases for example that we might have disagreed with and um, where we didn't think that the family or the individuals were ready to have cases closed where we've pushed back we've escalated to um, team managers and they've you know they've kept cases open um, because we've built the, the the volume of evidence to show that actually it's not in the child's best interest right now to close that case um so yeah, we were able this to is talk this is really this is really powerful. So anyone that's listening, so I've been in and out. I feel like this is, I might as well change the show name. <laughs> we've got to call it, we've got to call it the Sunday Lunch Show with Pete featuring Khalil. That's what we've got to call it instead. <laughs> um, so I've been, I've been in and out. But those of you that are in the studio, whether you're listening via, I think I'm on LinkedIn, I think we're on Twitter, I think we're on YouTube. This is, this is, this is crazy. 
But so if you just tuned in, this is Teach Talk Radio. This is a Sunday lunch show with me, Khalil Rouse. We're joined by Pete. We're talking and what the out well, what it was like to be Ofsted inspected from a pastoral slash safeguarding perspective. Um, so and if you're if you are just tuning in, you can always listen back on ttradio.org forward slash listen back. Um, if you if it's your first time listening or watching Teacher Talk Radio and you want to find out more, you think, oh, this is quite interesting, then again head to ttradio.org. Or you can follow us on Twitter at TTRadio2022 um, for more information, um, an abundance of shows. This is just one of many, many shows that take place um, throughout the weeks, throughout the days, the evenings, the afternoons, and so on and so forth. You can find loads and loads of information. If you're in the chat on Podbean and you have any questions at any point, then please just fire them into the chat. If this is an area that you're particular in, particularly interested in and want to find out more information, you've got someone who's been through an Ofsted inspection very recently. So fire the questions in and we'll kind of pick them up. And that last nugget of information, <clears throat> let me clear my throat, that last nugget of advice that Pete just gave. So if you are a recent pastoral or safeguarding lead, maybe like myself, and you've never been Ofsted inspected in your role, it sounds like a best practice advice is to get some case studies ready that enable you to display at hand, to be able to pull up on and pull and like pull up on from your files or from your documents. Here's an example of how we dealt with sexual harassment or sexual violence in school. Here's an example of how we um, challenged the decision by the local authority. Here's an example of where we, through pushing back on what we'd seen from the child in school, how we got the, the child's case to be escalated from potentially early help up to child in need. Or here's an example of, um, I can't think, many, many things, but it's in your interest. If they're going to ask these kind of very, very incisive questions, they want to see the evidence and you don't want to be in that situation where you're doing that kind of, oh, there was that case in 2019. Let me see if I can find it because then they're, although it may be then, the evidence may be that it's, it's better for you as the person being kind of spoken to in the conversation to just pull it out and say, right, here it is and have that. That's Ofsted readiness. That is Ofsted readiness. So if you're like me and you're listening to this, I'm going to listen back to this show with my notepad in hand and I'm going to be taking notes down myself. So I advise you to do the same if you're a pastoral or safeguarding lead to work out how to be Ofsted ready. That was just where I had to just get that in there because Pete, you're dropping an abundance of gems. So I want to just reaffirm that for the listeners. Um, you can always listen back, get your notepad out and take some notes down if this is of particular interest to you. Cool. We'll go for another about 10 minutes or so, Pete, and then we're going to have a, a break for the for the news. So I'm going to hand back over to you um, to continue with what you were speaking about just now. Yeah, no problem. Um, I, I think what I will say on that is, uh, as, as a school, and I know more, I see, often see regular tweets about CPOMs, about my concern, and you know, and I'm sure there's there's other systems that people use. Moving to that ele electronic format for us has been, a, 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 you know, a game changer. You know, it allows you to print very easily chronologies where, you know, where you, you've got everything in hand um, and you're able just to present that as a, as a very concise document to, to an inspector to show the work that goes on, obviously redacting it where appropriate. Um, and what, what I would say is, um, <clears throat> you know, that, that, that work for us is ongoing day-to-day -day work. So sometimes it does need a little bit of tinkering with. So, so one of the things that um, myself and, and I've got, I've, I've got two um, deputy DSLs that, that I work with. One of the things that we've started to do over time is we, we go back and do a lot of historical checks. Um, so we will look at any previous referrals that might've gone in 
previous early help cases and you know and 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 such like and we'll go through just to make sure that actually if there were outstanding actions that should have taken place on a particular file or a case note because we use our you know quite a, we've got a big pastoral team at our school um you know there's lots of people working with young people and putting that input in day to day on a day to day basis just going back and having a look to make sure that your paperwork doesn't show any dead ends i.e there was an anticipated action that should have happened has the qa taken place just to go back retrospectively just to check that that almost has just been finished off so if you do use a case study as a loop somebody doesn't come back to you and say oh it says here that x y or z referral to external agency should have happened can you just just show me what happened with that um, and there wasn't any of that level of scrutiny. I'm not suggesting that there was. I just think that's good practice to make sure it that all good. of your all, all of your loose ends are tied up. And and, and it's, it's yeah, that's more than that really. Yeah, no, that that's something that I'm very very conscious of. We get we get an abundance of of concerns that can come through. Some of them, as you know, Pete, and everyone else that's listening, if you if you're if you work in the safeguarding world, you'll get some concerns that are just going to be there for. For evidence sake, maybe it wasn't something that you needed to actually take some action on, but then you still need to acknowledge that they've been seen and received. Um, but then on the other end of the spectrum, you can, have, you can have the higher level concerns where you do ping them out to different members of staff to say, right, can you do a follow up with these people in the morning, please? And let me know how your conversation went. Or I'm going to now do the referral to so-and-so. And we can get caught up in so many different things where you make the note to get the referral done. Maybe you've done the referral, like you said you were, but have you gone back into the case files on your CPOMs or your My Concerns or your Edawares and said, referral made, here's the code, blah, 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 blah. And then the trail of communication. And that's something that I've, because I was new to the DSL role a few years back. It's something I've just tried to become better and better and better and more rigorous. So if you are listening and you're a safeguarding lead or maybe you're ahead of year with safeguarding responsibilities, every now and again, not even every now and again, as a matter of course, going back through and just checking that all those chronology replies, like you, I think what you said, Pete, is no dead ends. And it's, it's difficult because, as you know, it's almost, you can't, it feels weird sometimes to be like, this has been resolved. Things don't get often resolved, but it's making sure that the action that was stated, you've got the evidence to say, yes, I did the action. I had the conversation. The issue is most likely ongoing because it may be something that the kid is experiencing um, every time they go home, but... Here's, here's what happened. And then I think one thing also is if you have those, one thing I'm conscious of doing these days as well, is you know when you have the check-ins with the kids that just on a kind of, on a on an ad hoc, maybe sometimes more of an ad hoc basis, um, or even monitoring, making sure you're, you're noting those as well, saying, right, I had a check-in with so-and-so, I asked how home was, they said everything's fine, they said things are much improved. Logging that as well shows that's another... Um, a way of demonstrating, even if it's not you, if it's a head of year or a form tutor, if they, if you, if you can get a culture of people saying, oh, I, had a, I had a chat with little Ahmed and he said, and I asked him how home was and he said, yeah, it's much better. Mum and dad are doing okay. Then noting that on is again evidence that the culture's right and that everyone's realizing it's not just the DSLs or DDSLs responsibility to, to check in on the kids, it's everyone's. Um, and TSCW in the chat um, on that case study um, note was saying that they, they didn't have them ready and had to pull them up for the day two meetings, which I imagine then, I imagine TSCW, if you give a little bit of information, I imagine they may have had may have had a heads up on day one that they wanted to see it. Did you have a heads up in, on day one that they wanted to see this stuff, or, Pete, or was it kind of not No, the, I mean, you, the, the, one of the things that we need, to, one of the things that um, everybody needs to have ready is a list of open cases 
or any referrals that have gone in. Sorry. Um, so you know, so we were able to share that. You know, we obviously our, our list of referrals that have gone in um, since um, August 20, um, 2020, last year and this current year, we were able to share all of the referrals that went in. And if they then dig, choose to dig into any of those, then that's where they may ask for particular cases. We just went in the meeting with meetings with ones that we felt best. Um, best showed the, the depth, the quality, the, the, the rigour, you know, and all of those things that we think, you know, we do on a day-to-day basis in all cases, um, but we just took the ones in that we think best best highlighted those and best showcased it. No, excellent. No, it's like, it's, was that, you're talking, would you hard copy folder as opposed yeah. to, would you hard copy, yeah, print in a hard copy folder? Yeah, we yeah we we yeah. just we just took, took took copies in and then you know just just offered it up for if people wanted to take it away and have a look at it and just to see that that depth of work and um, we were able to talk them through it you know I wasn't physically there but we were able to talk them through a particular case the key points that had happened the triggers the responses the interventions um, and and then sort of where it is now um, for for a couple of different key cases and, and they were they were more than comfortable with that. Yeah, I, will, nice. I will say, and I, and, I, and I haven't said this prior to now, um, the inspection team that we had, we've had inspectors in previously that were very difficult um, and, and made it a very difficult experience. And I have said this before, the inspectors themselves were very amenable, very, you know, very, very just, you know, just handled it in the right way. I, I can't put it any more, more, more bluntly than that, really. It was, it was not a daunting experience sitting down with them. They were, you know, they were very easy to talk to and seemed to, seemed to work with us throughout the process, which was positive. I expect the rigour, but I also expect it to be done in the right way. Indeed, that's the thing, though, isn't it? I guess there's a lot of, we're not going to get into a massive Ofsted debate or anything like that, but there, as you know, and anyone listening, um, everyone has a lot of opinions on, on Ofsted. And I imagine, and again, because I've not really had that much first, first-hand leadership experience of it, but the way that the interaction is managed would, that sends a message. Is it a working with you inspection? Is it we're just here to work out what you need support with um, and then show us what you're doing and we're going to identify areas of development or is it we're going to come in and we're going to look at what you're doing wrong and what you're doing well and then we're going to be quite incisive and, and maybe not as supportive. So yeah. I, I don't know how I don't know enough about Ofsted to start passing judgments on on what their approach is specifically, but I'm glad to hear that when you did have the meetings, it felt as though they were there to to listen and they were there to say, okay, show me an example of this, show me an example of that, as opposed to a bit felt like you were being screwed. I guess scrutiny is the right word, but you can be scrutinized in a, in a formative way, or you can be scrutinized in a kind of um, a way where they're just trying to get to a judgment as opposed to we're trying to help you improve because everyone, yeah. all this Ofsted debate is people want a body and me included want a body that comes in tells you more about your school than you knew sometimes, and then identifies key high leverage areas for development that maybe you didn't realize. Um, and then they work with you, as opposed to we're here to give you a judgment, and this judgment is the main reason why we're here. So yes. hopefully, um, Offset are maybe taking a, a nuanced approach. I don't know, I've not, I've not experienced one yet. <laughs> 
Uh, it will come. I'm sure it will come. Mate. Um, just a, just a couple more points from me, which I think in overlap and and, and they're ones for people to know. Um, I, I don't. So one of my assistant head teachers, she leads on on all of our personal development provision, which covers SMSC um, and, and enrichment. Um, and enrichment was a big thing for them. They wanted to know about that, not directly linked to safeguarding, but they were very keen on what we do outside of the you know just a specific lesson by lesson um, delivery in school. Um, but but they what they want wanted to talk to us about in the safeguarding world from a contextual basis is you know what what are the issues that we've got within our local local area um and and how do we challenge and we and do we deal with that and how does that then cross over into the day-to-day delivery within curriculum areas within form time activities and how do we monitor that the right themes are being delivered day in day out And, and then moving on from that a step how then do we ensure that staff have got the appropriate training on those issues? And how do we make sure that staff are skilled to, in, in being able to identify and, uh, and and refer where they need to? So so I made sure, you know, again, it's something that I went in. I just went in with a, um, a two-year training plan. So, you know, covering the start of last academic year, moving through to the end of this academic year, all of the different themes. This is how we've delivered training. Um, and a lot of it is done remotely now, obviously, because of the, the advent of, of of you know the, the the team style delivery or whichever platform people use, um, and and using those kinds of approaches, but I was able to you know to really illustrate across each of the different safeguarding themes, and you know we know them all, um, but 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 really being able to show how we address it, not just always face to face delivery, not just always video delivery, but it could be email bulletins, it could be resources that we you know that or the websites that we find, you know myself and my team we often talk about um, some of the the TVs, TV shows that we watch or films we might have seen, like the County Lines film, for example, those sorts of things, and really just exploring different ways to bring themes alive. And, and, and that kind of thing just gets factored into that training plan. So we were able to sort of cover it both from specific safeguarding materials, the wider um, um, PSHE, personal development type themes, and supporting young people to keep safe um, in and outside of the school building, and then how we how we support everybody with that and, and including our parents as well, um, because we were able to talk about some of the things we do, some of the things that we share with online safety. Um, so just having, for example, um, what we do quite often or you know, a couple of times a year, I send out a series of safeguarding text messages to parents over the course of a week to 10 days. So we do a series of texts, signposting them to different links we use the bitly website just to shorten them you can monitor the number of clicks so i'm able to show here are the themes that our parents buy into so county lines uh, criminal exploitation is one of the highest number of um, one of the themes where we get the highest number of click rates um, and i know that um uh, tscw has put a comment on there on the on the um, chat um, about peer-on-peer abuse so our parents will often talk about bullying, and it's something I'll come back to in a little while. Um, our parents will often talk about bullying, but actually when we share materials on bullying, it isn't something that they click on a great deal. So I think it's something mm-hmm. that only affects you when you want to talk about it, if that makes sense, if you think that your child mm-hmm. is being wrong. So, so you know, it, it's, it's quite interesting, but being able to share that engagement with parents seems to be well received. No, definitely. definitely. Yeah. And just to, to clarify what TSCW did say in the chat. So TSCW has said that they, so then Ofsted wanted to see the evidence and not just have, and not just have the chat about them, especially after some unclear responses in pupil voice. Um, we had to pull evidence on where we had dealt with peer on peer bullying and one other as well. 
So on that note, what we're going to do, so I say on that note, this is the news has got nothing to do with peer and peer abuse or online bullying, but <laughs> but we are going to, we've hit the kind of halfway point. So we're going to take a break for the news. And on the other side of the news, obviously going to come back and we're going to hear more from, well, Pete and me. But remember, this is a Sunday lunch show with Pete today. <laughs> I'm taking a, I'm taking a back seat. So yeah, we're going to, those of you that are on the live stream, you're not going to see my face for a bit. So I apologize but we're going to turn to the news now. Time to take a little break, and I'll see you on the other side of this. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn. U-P-L-E-A-R-N dot co dot U-K. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Perpetrators are finding new ways to groom and abuse younger children, including through social media and dating apps, according to a report by the Independent Inquiry into Child Sexual Abuse. The inquiry, chaired by Professor Alexis Jay, concluded that local authorities and police forces are struggling to keep pace with the changing nature of child sexual exploitation. The report warned that there is a false assumption that exploitation by organised networks is on the wane. 
Professor Jay previously investigated abuse in Rotherham and said that there may also be a fear that places will be labelled another Rotherham or another Rochdale. The report found that child sexual exploitation has now become a hidden problem, in danger of being underreported. Six areas were focused on as a part of the inquiry. St Helens, Tower Hamlets, Swansea, Durham, Bristol and Warwickshire. They are areas that have not already been subject to investigations into CSE. The report emphasises that too many victims of child sexual exploitation are treated as offenders and states that more effort must be made to prosecute perpetrators effectively. The report makes six recommendations, including improving the identification of and the response to child sexual exploitation. Professor Jay said, the sexual exploitation of children by networks is not a rare phenomenon and not confined to a small number of areas, and that all agencies, including education, should be alert to the signs. According to a report in The Guardian, one in eight primary pupils in England had COVID last week. Figures released on Friday by the Office for National Statistics suggest that infections may now have peaked in primary age pupils, but the surge continues to cause disruption to attendance. Prevalence also remains high amongst secondary schools with an infection rate in England of 1 in 15. The Department for Education has launched its new Education Staff Wellbeing Charter, which applies to staff in England. On the government website are details of the declaration of support for and set of commitments to the well-being and mental health of everyone working in education. All state-funded schools and colleges are invited to sign up to the Charter, and the website has links to a range of resources. An article on the Daily Monitor website discusses fire safety in schools in Uganda following a fire at a school in Kawempe in January. The fire broke out in the girls' dormitories and left four pupils dead and three seriously injured. The Uganda National Fire Protection Association reports that around 5,000 fires occur in institutions of learning each year. Many are now calling for a greater focus on fire safety to prevent loss of life, damage to property and disruption to learning. This should include installing firefighting equipment in schools and clear identification of escape routes, as well as smoke detectors and fire alarms. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week we're going to take a look at teaching online. Marmite comes to mind when I think about teaching online. I actually like it, but it's my job and I'm surrounded by gadgets to assist me. A lot of teachers hate it. If you think about it, for 90% of the current population of teachers, delivering a lesson online is something they've not even been trained in. They signed up to be in the classroom with a group of pupils. I'm not going to go into the depths of the delivery platform. That's normally a choice that's already made for you by technology leaders in schools. I'm going to give you a couple of free tools that work in a browser, so don't need installing and can be used for engagements in the classroom and easily adapted to use online. First up, we all love Kahoot. Did you know you can set a Kahoot to be self-paced rather than live? Simply click the assign button and you have an instant self-paced quiz for a homework, a starter or a progress check. If you need to take it online, share the link and off you go. If you use lots of YouTube clips and websites, check out Wakelet. 
Share collections of links in a meaningful way for free. My favorite use for this is to group my YouTube clips for topics. Not only are they played back with less distractions, but I can share a group of links for revision or to flip a lesson. Again, if I have to teach online, one link can lead to many. Just remember to check your school's policy on using websites such as YouTube for online teaching. If you have access to devices in the classroom, why not try Mentimeter? Create interactive presentations, take votes or build word clouds from participants' answers to improve engagement, assess learning and inspire discussion. Or if you love whiteboards, try whiteboard.fi. As a teacher, you can see all your classes' whiteboards and answers, know who's interacting and who's not. You can even show a QR code for ease of joining. I could go on and on. The idea is to test these things out when you're with your class and there's no pressure. Then, should you need to teach online, you'll feel more comfortable, there'll be fewer issues, and most importantly, you'll see if pupils are engaging. I hope you consider bringing a bit of tech into your classroom. As always, please test things work in your setting before you use them. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello and welcome back. It's now, was it, 1.56 on Sunday the 6th of Feb, and you're still listening to the Sunday Lunch Show with me, Khalil Rouse, on Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, throughout the show so far, I've been joined by Pete, who works at a school that has recently been offsteaded. Pete is the deputy head teacher, and he's also the safeguarding lead of the school. He's currently dropping so many gems that you need to pay attention to. So tune in and talk it out. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I know I can hear the intro still going, but I can see myself on the screen, so I'm going to start talking. Welcome back, guys. If you wonder why I'm talking about the screen, it's because we're also streaming live. So if you're not aware or you weren't here at the beginning of the show, we're, of course, streaming through Podbean. Um, but of course, I think you can find us on on Twitter, you can find us currently streaming live on YouTube, streaming live on LinkedIn. We're taking over the, the edgy Twitter airwaves on multiple platforms for a very, very powerful and important show for anyone who's just wondering what offset inspections are like these days, but also more pertinently for anyone who's um, a lead in school over maybe pastoral or safeguarding. And we're just finding out like, what it was like to be offset inspected um, when you oversee that area. And as I said in the intro, we're joined by Pete, who's still, of course, here in the live studio. This is pretty much his show. I've taken a back seat today um, because he's got the he's got all the nuggets of information and the wisdom. And if you're like me and you want to listen back and you want to find out what Pete spoke about before, you want to take some notes, then you can always listen back if you head to www.ttradio.org forward slash listen back. And then you can just find all of our shows there, including this one. Um, they also become podcasts on Podbean. You can listen back that way. There's multiple ways. All information can be found on ttradio.org or you can head to our Twitter at ttradio2022. Cool. Pete, We just I saw you mention in the chat because TSCW prior to the news was mentioning the people voice. I don't know if you're going to talk about people voice now or maybe later, but I know that was something that um, they did throughout the inspection that was also quite informative for Ofsted, but also threw up a few a few hurdles for you to kind of overcome as leaders. So I'll leave your chronology 
to you, but I know that's something that you're going to come to later. So TSCW, thank you for that comment in the chat. Yeah, I'm happy to pick that up now. So um, as part of the, um, obviously, the, the, the experience, the student voice experience, um, the inspectors have been around and about the site talking to, to, to our young people sort of on the corridor in lessons when they were in doing their, their observations and, and, and everything that goes with that. Um, but they specifically asked us at the start of day one for a list of students um, for their student panel. Um, and what they wanted was a, a group of students that had been, and to use their phrase, had been subject to sanctions. Um, and, and it was left as open as that. So we provided um, a list of students that had been subject to sanctions and, and we didn't we didn't take anything off the table. We didn't limit anything. Um, and it was very much left to us in terms of um, what we would put on the list. They then went through that list and chose a number of students at random, it appeared. Um, it so happens we've all got those students, you know, the, the ones that you wouldn't want an inspector necessarily to speak about. Um, and they managed to choose, I think, six of them, um, or at least five of the six students were, were students that had been um, subject to high, high tariff sanctions um, and, and weren't always the ones most likely to engage in, in school life fully. Um, so, you know, I, I think just, just to put it as, as, as simply, really, as, as probably I, I can, um, a couple of the kids saw it as an opportunity to settle some scores um, and went in and, and told some things to the inspectors that um, we, we you know, weren't necessarily true. Um, and, and that created uh, that created some work for us. Um, it wasn't um, anything that was insurmountable. Um, I've got to say, probably the biggest challenge that I had was was taming and calming the the team of heads of years um, when when I when I sort of met with them and debriefed them at the end of the at the end of, the, of day one. Um, because once they got wind that some of these comments had been made, they were uh, they were. They were seething. Yeah, they were. They were. They were. I could. I could. Do you know what? I can. I can picture it. All the teachers in the. All the teachers in the room. Can you imagine? Put yourself in this situation where offset are coming in, and we listen. I'm not. We're not going to shy away. We all work in education. There are always going to be kids who've had a rougher ride in school for numerous reasons, but they've maybe. Um, they're the people who might have ended up in internal exclusion more. So it might have been. Um, externally excluded or suspended, for example, or maybe they're in detention a lot. They've gone out, they hold a lot of grudges and they're human because, and they're human, so they do that. And then if you imagine that, the big offset come in and they sit down, round table talk with these pupils. I can, I know how I would have, I, yeah, I know how I would have taken that. Um, and I think, yeah, they do. Human beings, kids, you use the phrase, settle some scores, they would. They would. This, if they felt like they've been aggrieved, even though we know as professionals that we've kind of held the line, we've kept, we've abided by our, our kind of our sanction systems. Nothing we've done has been unfair, but yes, if there's been a behavioral misdemeanor over a period of time, it's related, it's led to more severe sanctions, but the kids still aggrieved. And if the kids hold a grudge, they've now got free reign to say maybe things that in their mind are true, but maybe they could, they could say what they want. And then what would happen? And of course, Ofsted are, I imagine they're, they're, intuitive enough to know that this will be the case but it will create a path for Ofsted to say all oh, right interesting so so and so is saying that this is an issue at school or this isn't dealt with correctly there i imagine Khalil I've lost your sound again I've lost your sound there mate um I, 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 I'm I, I, are you there 
Khalil? I'm here. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Candy, yeah, you on. dropped out just for a second. Um, so, yeah, the, the, basically what happened was the, the as part of the, the kit process, the keeping in touch process, um, the, the lead inspector spoke to the head and said, look, um, we've just done the, the, the pupil forum. Um, this, is, this, is what they've, this is what they've said. Um, and gave us some of the information. And similar to TSCW, it was um, also centred around the issue of, um, uh, of bullying. So, so what we did was we just pulled together, when I met with the heads of years at the end of day one, we just had to pull together our, uh, just our records. Um, and again, it just comes back to similar to the safeguarding meeting about the strength of your record keeping um, and just making sure that everything is logged, all, all the follow-up is there. So we were able, obviously, there have been questions around discriminatory behaviour as part of safeguarding um, and just as part of the, the wider culture of the school, how we address these sorts of things. We do lots of work on it, like, like lots of people do. Um, but it was very specifically about, okay, um, show us your bullying logs, show us your, your, your trends of data. We report that to governors every term. You know, there's no issue there. I've got the summary data and here, and here is or here are um, each of the individual cases um, where we've identified that we think bullying um, has occurred, may have occurred. Um, and, and that also sort of goes back to your the discussion last week on your show, Khalil, about, you know, these one-off behaviours. We include those as well. This was the response that we put in place. Um, and the inspection team actually pulled together a separate meeting um, to address these issues that were raised by the students in 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 that forum um, there was a couple of different other threads that he wanted to know about as well the lead inspector and we were able to give him everything that he needed and he was more than reassured um, that we had a handle on things and that things were were covered um, what they did um, as a follow-up to that because they were very open about the fact that um, we can't just assume that this is a group of unhappy students that that are just using it as a, a as a as a forum to to you know to to vent their frustration. Um, we've got to follow up on it. It is a piece of evidence um, as part of our inspection. So therefore, we've got to go through the process of of, of seeking out the evidence to either confirm what they're saying uh, or to or to c confirm otherwise. So they made a point of going out at break time and lunchtime on the second day and actively seeking out as an inspection team all of them were out all of them were speaking at break and lunchtime to students on the playground in the canteen everywhere they possibly could just to find out the students perspectives on on, on how safe we are as a school um, on whether bullying happens and obviously that age-old question um, you know because we would all I think we would all recognize that bullying does happen um, in in all areas of society but if it does happen, is it picked up? Is it dealt with swiftly uh, and effectively? And, and unfortunately, we were able to reassure the team that it was. So that certainly did create a trail that we could have done without. And I certainly could have done without it when I was sat in a different country at the end of a, you know, a, on the other side of a laptop screen. But um, it was something that we, you know, we overcame and we, we got to where we needed to be. Yeah, no, I'm glad. Well, it's again, I, I sound glad. It's one of those things where it's, it's as I said at the beginning of the show, if if you if all the kind of the small not I say small if the culture and the systems have been there from the start and it's not a case of um, oh now let's now let's start recording incidents if you've been doing it then it shouldn't be a problem I think one thing that is quite important for anyone that's listening if you're kind of a head of year or pastoral lead or whatever else yes I think it's important to of course document the outcomes but I think also what's new what the nuance that you also need to in it makes you include in your chronologies or your document or your record keeping is the rationale for why you took the certain decision. Because there can be situations where a child, if we talk about bullying, a child may have um, 
may have disclosed, well, come to you saying they've been bullied, for example, but then maybe there were certain nuances of the case or certain nuances of the situation that and that meant that the sanction that was set was maybe different to one for a different bullying situation or so on and so forth. And if you, so it's all well and good putting the sanction outcome there, but I think it's also important in your record keeping, whether it's over the Sims or the Bromcoms or the Edawares or whatever, or the CPOMs, whatever platform you use to document your rationale and not just not just what you did, but why you did it. And then if you are probed and asked about, oh, why was this case? Yeah, why in this situation was there a internal exclusion, but this one was an, uh, a suspension, for example. If that were to be the case, you can then look back and say, oh, the head of year wrote it here. It's because of X, Y, Z reason. And there was a certain nuance and so on and so forth. So I think in your record keeping, especially from a safeguarding standpoint, but also from a pastoral standpoint, yes, document the outcomes, but also document the reasons why you did what you did or why you didn't do anything in this situation. If you can document both, yeah. then that I think is also some best practice advice. Absolutely. Just uh, getting ahead of the curve, really, and thinking about, right, when I get asked for that list of names, um, students that have been subject to sanction, um, what will that list look like? And I'm certainly not saying that people, you know, it's about what, what qualifies on that for you. Um, obviously, because sanctions within a school environment could go from, you know, a, um, a break time detention through to, um, as you say, a suspension. Um, you know, was, this, so, so. was this the first time, Pete, sorry to interrupt, but just out of interest, because you said you've been through numerous inspections. Was this the first time that they've asked for that kind of um, category of pupil? Yeah. Yeah. It is. I, okay. I, I've, okay. I, I've, I've had numerous different requests. I think, I've, I think I said to you earlier, I think I've been through somewhere in the region of about 15 different Ofsted experiences over my, <laughs> over my career, and the majority of those have been in a leadership role. And, I, and I've had... Um, all sorts of different requests that have come to me and probably the one I remember most was um, all, give, give me a list of all students born in March um, and, and they chose a random selection of kids, you know, so it's very difficult to prepare for this. Um, but I do think it, I think it may be included in the inspection framework and one of the documentation is something that they may well ask for students that have been subject mm. to sanction. So it's something that, you know, in, in advance of and in preparation for is something people can be certainly ready for, I think. Yeah, definitely. TSCW's put a comment in the Podbean studio. If you wonder what I'm talking about, there's a pod. We're also streaming through Podbean. Um, so if you don't know what that is, download the app. It's on all your app stores or your Play Store if you're a Samsung user like myself. And there's a live interactive studio where you can text and everything else. TSCW's put a comment in that says, um, we resolve to follow up on things and let students know things have been dealt with, as we don't always do that. And the people voice opinion was that things don't get dealt with. Um, one thing that was brought up... Um, one thing that was brought up in it was luckily on all CPOMs to show it had been dealt with. We just hadn't reported back to the students involved. Um, so just trust that they knew it was when it was reported and it would be dealt with. So to summarize, what TCW what is essentially saying is, and I've, I've had this, I know you probably have this as well, Pete. When you get quite, when I've had situations where a student has made a disclosure on behalf of their friend, for example, and then sometimes, as, as you know in our role, you deal with it in the same, you deal with it as a DSL and you put everything in place that you need to, whether it's mentoring, whether it's a referral, whether it's informing staff, but then you don't, you don't instinctively think to go back to the first pupil that told you about it. And then what can often be the case with kids, they often think that if they didn't hear what happened, then nothing happened. And kids can often think like that. And then what TSCW is saying is that might, that happened in their pupil voice. So 
a lot of issues that the pupils may be brought to the attention of staff that maybe didn't directly involve them that were dealt with, we, there was never like, you don't really think to circle back to the discloser and say, oh, just so you know, we did X, Y, and Z, and this happened, and this happened, because it's not, it's as much as we're, we're thankful that they reported it, it, it no longer becomes their business. So I think it's, so um, as long as you've, as long as you've got that, so if you know things are dealt with, then fine, but I guess be mindful that certain kids might feel like things aren't dealt with. So maybe they need the reassurance, maybe through assemblies or mm. through kind of, tutor time and PSHE and all your kind of delivery of things to say things will be dealt with. You may not always find out that they've been dealt with because it gets, it happens behind the scenes. But if you bring something to our attention and we assure you that we've picked it up, then trust us that we've done that. And that may need to be another level of information you disseminate to your young people so that if they are asked the question, they say, ah, oh, yes, we, we report it. And then the school assures us that they are dealt with. That's a good thing for kids to say, as opposed to, yeah, I told them, but didn't hear anything back. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I guess that's another piece of advice. And, and I think, yeah, I think it's fair to say, you know, obviously that, 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 that moment within the inspection and, and it's such a, such a high, you know, adrenaline's pumping throughout the few days that you're sort of in, in the lead up to it and, and, and going through it. And it's never as bad as you think it's going to be, you know, inspections, you know, you get, obviously you get through it as, as a team of professionals, you back each other up and, and you know, you, you, you work through the process. It was also important for us to go back to those young people that were in those meetings as well uh, and just have that conversation with them. Look, these issues were raised in the meeting uh, and this is what, you know, this is what we have done just to, just to deal with any, any maybe misconceptions that they might have had about, um, about and like you say, inaction uh, or a lack of response on certain things. So we were able just to almost just put that to bed a little bit and just say, look, you know, this is, this is how we've, we've dealt with things. And, and whilst you might not always get that specific detail, um, you know, we do make, work through things and manage things in the, in the right way for everybody's sake. No, definitely, definitely. Okay, Pete, back to you. What's, what's next on okay. your... On yes. your agenda. <laughs> so, so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about behaviour and attendance. Um, and, and these are just some, some things to, you know, for, for, that were very relevant and appropriate to us in our context. Um, in terms of behaviour, um, one of the things that came out of our last Section 5 inspection was about reducing levels of uh, exclusions. Um, you know, they, they were very high previously. Um, we've worked hard on, on bringing those down, looking at our systems and, and um, you know, and, and just trying to make school a more positive experience. And on our school improvement plan for the last few few years, without fail, we've had raising the profile of celebration events, of rewards, of achievement, you know, pushing all of the good the good stuff, really. Um, but, but just in terms of our conversations, you know, a lot of the questions were around how do you secure consistency? You know, how do you make sure that whatever you say is the minimum expectation within your school and, and what, you know, the, the expectations in terms of behaviour to, to ensure that, that students can learn in their classrooms and are safe out in social time and all of those things. How do you make sure they happen? You know, and that was very much then about us talking about our systems, how we use data. They weren't really interested in seeing the data, but they wanted to know how we used it, um, if that makes sense. Some of the key trends that we were able to talk about um, we gave them some numbers, you know, exclusions wasn't a difficult battle for us to, to sort of to, to win in terms of t talking about reductions in exclusions because they're significant reductions over probably three or four years. Even taking the, um, you know, the, the, the pandemic out of the equation, 
However, what they wanted to know was, have we, have we reduced exclusions by absorbing poor beha- behaviour into the curriculum? Or have we dealt with, have we reduced exclusions by just instead of just isolate, you know, excluding kids externally, putting them into our internal isolation rooms or putting them into an isolation room in a different school? Uh, and we were able to show that the data shows that that isn't the case and, and, and exclusions have come down as, as, a, as a result of changes in our culture, in the way that we approach and address behaviour um, and, and go through sort of the, the restorative processes as well to, to build kids so just to come in on even that. once they've made mistakes. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, so, so any, imagine I'm thinking about people that may be listening who are working in a school where behavior is an issue and that can happen in a lot of schools so what we're in a nutshell i know this can be something that we can make a whole show on how you systematically or systemically whichever version of that word you want to use improve culture over time what what were the kind of what did your school consciously do after you'd uh, when you knew that maybe behavior was a bit of an issue over the um, across the school what did you consciously do to improve it because i know there are schools across the country where behavior is an issue so what did you guys consciously do to improve it? Um, yeah, so we, 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 we tried a few things and we worked through a, different, a few different strategies. Um, uh, but, but ultimately what it came down to was uh, making sure it's, it's, it sounds really cliched, but making sure it's everybody's business. Um, so, you know, I, I, we use data, we use effective, you know, we use really live data in terms of behavior. It's not a bought in system that we use. We use our own system. Um, that we've created using we're, we're a sim school uh, and we generate data on a weekly basis what we are able to do from the moment that our behavior data lands at half three on a friday afternoon is we turn that round and that translates into actions by half eight on a on a monday morning from form tutor year teams and everybody who who needs to be involved um, on that so so there's an immediacy to our response you know and and and, and i think that has helped to make a difference because what it provides for the kids is a clarity they know that if their behavior appears on X, Y, or Z list at the end of a week, given their performance over the week, then we will respond in, in certain ways. They, they know that. Um, another thing, I think one of the biggest things is we've centralised a lot of things. Our detentions are centralised um, and, and we operate those as, as, a, as a wider staff team, either at year team level or at senior leadership level. Um, high visibility, we've invested curriculum time into allowing... Um, p- leaders in the school, not just senior leaders, but post holders across the school. Um, we work on the basis. It's really difficult at the minute. And when, you know, we're struggling at the moment with, with current uh, staffing, uh, staffing levels the way they are. But our sort of aim is to, for a leader in our school to visit every lesson, every period. So there's about 60 periods, 60 lessons happening at any one time in our school. Um, just because of the size of the school. So we try and get into and have a presence in every one of those lessons. It's a stick in your head in the door. It's looking for things going well, supporting a member of staff if there's things that aren't going as you'd want them to with the, with the right message. We also have an, un, an, an on-call system that removes students if, if their behaviour is stopping the learning of other kids. So the two, sets, the two sit separately, um, but very much about investing in that focus on teaching and learning and allowing teachers in our school to teach um, and, and allowing pe- adults to, to do what they're there to do and allow, you know, and the kids that want to be there to be making progress and learning uh, are given a climate to do that. And the feedback that we've had since we've certainly, you know, put that process into, into effect has been really positive. Um, you know, so we try and, and then the third, third thing, I think, third or fourth, wherever I got to, um, thing that I'd, uh, is I would also say, I mentioned it as part of our school improvement plan. We've had a massive focus on 
promoting and highlighting the positives, um, you know, through achievement points, through recognition events, through re- reward trips, which are starting to get back on their on their feet now after after the pandemic, um, or, or given where we're at during the pandemic, should I say? Uh, and and you know, and it's very much about just trying to make it re- a really worthwhile experience for our kids to to be the one that gets it right and 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 you know makes progress responds in the right way in lessons picks up the achievement points and 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 really make going big on those kids giving them the, the attention and the love they deserve no nice that's a lot again if you're listening um and you're in a school where you think this is maybe something you need to work on then there's some there's some advice i think celebrating the focus on that's the thing because you can always whenever people think that behavior is an issue they often some people hopefully not anymore they resort to like making the sanctions worse they, do you know what I mean? And then they think, right, how are we going to make sure that when they misbehave, it gets, they get a worse sanction? Because that's going to be the deterrent for their negative behavior. When sometimes, and more often, and this is, a, this is a case for normal kind of classroom management, to improve the culture of the classroom in front of you, celebrating the good things from the outset is more positive and has more of a beneficial impact on the climate than pointing out what's going wrong. And that's the case on a micro level in a classroom from when they enter the room and you're saying, well done, so-and-so for getting started. Well done, so-and-so who's got their, their book open already, starting the task. Well done for like whoever sat down and got on with it quick, quickly is better than saying, why have you not got, why are you not sat down yet? Or why is your book not open yet? Or why have you not picked your pen? Where's your pen? Why? If you, that, if it works in a classroom, of course it's not easy to say, yeah, it's going to work in a whole school level. But psychologically, it works well in the class to, promote the positives rather than focus on negatives so then if you do kind of expand it out onto the macro scale of a whole school if you can mirror that in a in a in a way then over time the culture shifts the people who are, who are negative start to realize ah oh, that the attention i'm getting isn't the kind of uplifting isn't uplifting for me i want to get some uplifting attention and the way to do that is to to get things right and if that it's not going to be flicker switch and it's fine over overnight but i feel like that's that's a better way. And I'm glad to hear that you've that you stated that as a as a as one of the ways you improved the culture over time even more so. So yeah, that's really powerful for anyone that's listening who may be in a, a similar situation. Yeah. Just just a note on um, data and and not assuming that you you know when you when they take this data away with them that they don't look at it. They they actually requested a a, a, a follow up behaviour meeting from us, um, behaviour and attitudes meeting, uh, and we weren't quite sure why. Uh, but what happened was um, the, the data that they were given about exclusions in the in the first meeting, we gave it to them in two formats. So we gave them a number. This is the number of exclusions we've had this year. Here they are. And they were sorted by students. You could see the um, um, number of repeat offenders and, and, and such like. We gave them a second list, which was then sorted by reason. But they didn't necessarily, the inspector didn't necessarily cotton on to that. And so they came back to us the following day and we said, is there, is there a reason you need this, 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 this meeting, this follow-up meeting? He said, well, yeah, you, you told us that there was X number of exclusions last year, but actually the data you've given us would tell us that you, there's double that. And we said, no, 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 no. You've got two lists of the same information, just filtered and sorted differently. And as soon as he told them that, they went away. They said, absolutely fine. Squash the meeting. We don't need it. Not a problem. But they had gone away and interrogated it and just had a look through. So it's just, um, you know, just a, a note of a note, really, just to, to make sure people realise they do go away and look at it because obviously they need that for their evidence bases for, for the judgments that are made.
Yeah, nice. And then for the this, do you know, what? I could just I say it every show, but I mean it for this show. I, not not I don't mean it in previous shows, but I could talk about this. I don't want this show to end, but it's going to have to in like eight to ten minutes. So <laughs> I know you want to talk about attend. I know we talk about attendance. So what was the um, what was happening with attendance when they came and did their inspection? Yeah, and this is all set against the current, and, and they were very understanding of the current context. We are a school that fights very, very hard to reach the national average. Um, so just before the pandemic landed, we were, we were, I think if I remember rightly, we were just bang on 95% for our attendance. Um, and for us, we have to invest a lot in it resource-wise, capacity-wise, and, and, and in terms of our day-to-day energy as well. Um, you know, so f- things to make sure that people are ready for going into any attendance meeting, um, cur- certainly in the current climate, is knowing your numbers in terms of any EHE requests um, and has there been an increase in requests for students being electively home educated? Um, any students that have struggled to return since lockdowns, um, you know, at any point during the pandemic um, as a result of mental health needs? And, and clearly, and I don't think I mentioned it in safeguarding, um, you know, the, the huge spike in mental health needs and, and, and what we are doing as schools and educators um, and in terms of multi-agency approaches to support children back into the building and when they're in the building and, and obviously at home as well. Um, and really just looking at some of the data. Uh, I shared a link on, on Twitter last week and, and, and that's something that's been spoken about. The DFE are collecting, collecting attendance data fortnightly through the Explore Attendance um, website where you can access it. It's fortnightly attendance bulletins where you can just capture that week's um, attendance data for your setting and it covers all settings um, and it's starting to now be broken down into vulnerable groups as well in terms of um, students with EHC, uh, EHCPs, free school meal kids and, and, and others. And, and, you know, one of my good friends and, 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 and ex-colleagues commented on it and he's absolutely right. Some, not all schools are playing by the rules at the minute and we know some schools are, are working, you know, in line with the, the guidance and some aren't. You know, but ultimately, all we can do is what we can do. And, and that information that is there right now is the only reference point I've got as a leader in school to compare my attendance to the national picture. So I was able just to go through and literally go fortnight by fortnight, just get that little snapshot. This is what the national picture in secondaries in our context looks like. This is what ours looked like on that same day when the capture was taken. I presented that to the inspector and he was more than happy with it. He just said, you know, against it, within the current context, the current national context, you are above the national average um, consistently. Therefore, he was comfortable with that um, and, and, and he took that away. And that was something that just, it's light maintenance. Just keep an eye out for the website. If people aren't familiar with it, I'd certainly recommend it because at the minute, in the absence of any other real meaningful attendance data, it is something that people can use. Um, and it's something that you can use to present your picture. Yeah, um, no, that's very and, powerful. Okay, and and the fight, the sort of the final final one really was punctuality. Um, in our, I didn't, I didn't say this in our context. A lot of our children travel to us um, because of what I said about all of the all the the other local schools um, being good schools. What we've seen over time with our um, you know with our change in demographic is more and more children are getting the bus into us and come from further afield and don't necessarily come from our most immediate area. So in terms of where we're located, we're located in the second quintile in terms of deprivation. Um, Our kids, 
in terms of um, the you know the, the the dashboard data come from the lowest quintile of of um, of deprivation. So that has a knock-on effect in terms of attitudes, in terms of organisation, in terms of how the kids come into school and the work that we've got to get them into school on time. Uh, and, and funnily enough, the, they asked for a separate meeting specifically about punctuality um, and talked about um, what does your data show, what, what, what do the trends show. Uh, and, and they were happy with us talking about the geographic location of where our kids live. We don't provide buses. We don't have school buses. They're reliant on public transport um, and, and therefore sort of almost taking out where we've got kids coming in late on that particular day, for example, um, where the buses were late. We, if you remove those from your equations, you're then able to present a picture of actually it's a very, very small minority of our kids that turn up late for school. Um, and, and those that do come late are, are, are as a result of you know, where they live, the, the public transport, etc. Uh, and it just helped. I think it's fair to say that one of the inspectors was, was late in that day because they'd hit traffic on the main road. So they were quite sympathetic to, to the needs <laughs> of the kids and, the, and their, their, their context. So, you know, that was something that I've not known before, um, a separate meeting specifically for punctuality alone. Um, and that was the first time that I've noticed that. So just being on the front foot and having that data ready and to hand and looking at the reasons why kids turn up late and your your processes. And what I would say is in terms of attendance, punctuality, everything really, um, but just having the knowledge and the confidence in your systems to be able to say kids don't slip through the net in our system because this is what we do to safeguard it. This is how we identify if attendance is dropping if there's regular lateness, if there's changes in behaviour in and around school that might suggest underlying mental health or safeguarding needs, if we see changes in behaviour patterns and just having the confidence to talk about those systems, I think. Yeah, so just to, just as a, a follow-up question, um, do you know when you said this is the first time, when they, because this, this I'm, an, I'm an Ofsted novice, so did they ask, so when they wanted the punctuality meeting, was that at the end of day one, they said, oh, we're going to have a meeting about punctuality on day two, or was it on day two they... How did it? How did it work logistically? In terms they, of they'd already scheduled. They'd already scheduled it in. They, they wanted to. They wanted to be uh, on the gate with a member of staff as the kids were coming into school on day two to then have a follow up meeting and discussion about what they saw uh, and their experience oh, of, of punctuality. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. I'm like I said, Pete. This is. I want to just keep learning because it's and we've we're unfortunately run out of time. But I feel like this might even. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna commit you to a to a second show. Don't worry. I'm not gonna commit you. But at the same time, <laughs> thinking from a purely from a purely selfish perspective, this is in terms of hashtag pastoral CPD. I, I haven't actually said that the whole show. I've not said that the whole show. If, as far as it goes for hashtag pastoral CPD, this has been invaluable for me purely selfishly. But then hopefully that anyone that's listening live or anyone that listens back, it can be also very very probing for you to then start thinking. Right, hold on. Have we got things in place? Oh, could if someone asks a question, do we have the answers? And if not, what can we do about it now so that we don't get that situation where you're in that kind of offset panic because you've not taken the time now to put things in place and to make sure you've got the records and to make sure you can you know where to go if they ask these particular questions, rather than you get the call on the on the on the Monday afternoon and they're coming in on the Tuesday and you get that that panic because you don't want that to affect how your how your day goes the next day. So I guess this is in terms of Ofsted readiness, there's been so many gems being dropped. And I do, like I said, Pete, I want I'm not gonna commit you live on air to say you're gonna be on for another show, but 
you heard it here from me. I'm just saying I want I want to learn more because I'm a novice, well, relative novice when it comes to the offset experience from a pastoral or safeguarding perspective. Um, what's your last? If I'm going to put in a spot, what's your? If you had to, if you have to give one piece of advice um, for a pastoral slash safeguarding lead to be offstead ready, um, to always be offstead ready, I guess, to like, because you would want, in an ideal world, you want to always be offstead ready, right? So what would you say, what would your last piece of advice or the most salient piece of advice be for a person in that position to be offstead ready always, I guess? Yeah, so um, I'm going to give you two. And, and the first one, the first one I'd say is about the lead up to it. And then obviously there's the other one, which is the sort of in, in the moment, in the offstead experience. Uh, and the first one I've just got to say is be be secure with your record keeping and making sure that everything is there. When if you've got tight and, and accurate records, you know you can fall back on them at any point, and 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 you will be using those anyway. I've got no doubt on a day to day, week to week, turn by turn basis to identify trends and to respond to those because that's part of what we do is what we do as leaders and as professionals anyway. Um, the other one is 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 very much about and and. This is all just very much Ofsted focused. This isn't about what good practice looks like of doing your job. And I'm not going to tell anybody how to do their job. We all work in different contexts and we manage in different ways um, and, and, and work in different ways. But in terms of being Ofsted ready is knowing the framework um, and going into those meetings I, I think I said at the very start, I'd almost talk people into submission and just try and tell them everything, you know, give them a bit of a my life story, really, in terms of the leadership of our area. Um, and actually, it's, it's not what they're looking for. You know, my experience, my more recent experiences, inspectors are sitting in front of them with the same framework that we all have access to. So if we are saying that our school, we believe, is a good school, know the good criteria and tailor your language in those meetings. So they just literally, they are sitting listening for, I think, for the evidence that allows them to tick off those criteria. So don't lose sight of, this is what we're trying to give, you know, give a specific element of, you know, respect amongst students and their peers or, 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 or um, behavior and attitudes. Make sure your evidence targets those different criteria so you can just reassure them and then they'll go away and just speak to people about it anyway which you've got less control over pete listen i'm, I'm i want to i want to applaud thank you thank you so much and anyone's in the chat or is kind of listening live if you're watching us had the pleasure of watching myself and pete on youtube or, or linkedin everything else um i hope you are as grateful as me for this this pod this show um uh, this was Pastoral CPD Clinic 5, I believe. Um, so, yeah, thank you, Pete. Thank you in abundance. Um, it's been thoroughly useful. I hope you've enjoyed the chat. I've enjoyed the chat. I hope you've enjoyed the chat. And I know you'll be in the studio in later dates. I don't for future shows, everything else. But thank you to everyone that's been in the studio interacting. Thank you to everyone that's been kind of watching live. Maybe it's on LinkedIn or maybe on Twitter or YouTube, blah, 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 blah. But it's been a, it's been a great show. And I'll be listening back. Thanks, thanks for having me, Khalil. Thanks for having <laughs> no, me on, mate. No, no worries, Pete. Thank you. We're going to leave it there. I'll be back on uh, next week for another Sunday lunch show. And I hope for, hope to see or hear or, or see you guys in the studio with me next week. So thank you very much for tuning in. And I'll see you next time. Thank you. 
You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.